At first glance, Woking is not the most obvious place to look for radical innovation, but the borough can justifiably claim to have the most innovative energy policy of any council in the UK. It has a private wire network, an energy distribution system independent of the national grid. It's green and it's profitable, and supplies consumers in both the private and public sectors. The electricity in the Woking grid is provided by innovative technologies, including the world's first commercial hydrogen fuel cell and the UK's largest collection of solar photovoltaic cells. But the principal providers are the small combined heat and power, or CHP, plants that are dotted around the borough. The man who devised the system is Woking's energy services manager, Alan Jones. It all started, um, I suppose, back in uh, 1989 when I first came to the council and I wrote a report on uh, global warming which um, was new to most people who got to uh, appreciate it was two years before the Rio Earth Summit um, and where it really educated councillors about where emissions were actually coming from it wasn't just uh, transport it was uh, talking about power stations at you know two majority of emissions in the UK come from UK power stations um, and that really uh, set the kind of scene for an energy efficiency policy. Didn't think we were doing anything particularly innovative at the time, it just seemed a sensible way of de dealing with things. The council set aside a quarter of a million pounds for capital investment. So that initial quarter of a million pounds, just looking at the council's own um, buildings and projects, um, it has saved the council something like over five million pounds from that initial quarter million pounds in development. And that's invested in something like 70 projects, a whole range of energy efficiency projects and uh, co-generation renewable energy projects. This co-generation plant is tucked away in the town centre's main car park. Over here we have um uh, the district heating and district cooling pipe networks. You'll see there's several different circuits going to uh, several parts of the town centre, uh, supplying mixed buildings, uh, uh, offices, uh, leisure complexes, bowling alley, nightclub, a whole range of different types of buildings you expect to find in a town centre. It's one of two combined heat and power plants in the central part of the town. Between them, they supply a quarter of the premises with heat and electricity. Having much higher efficiency than conventional systems, they make a significant contribution to the borough's reduced net carbon dioxide emissions. They're part of Woking's larger distributed energy system, linked up to consumers by private wire connections. This is what we call a distributed generation system, so we're able to mix different types of generation into our private wire network. The private wire network is designed as an active network, so that enables us to do that. Uh, one other advantage that you get with a private wire network is the ability to operate in island generation mode uh, in the event of a failure of the grid. So this gives us local security of supply as well as reducing CO2 emissions. As far as um, our own building uh, stock is concerned, about 84% of our energy consumption comes from these distributed energy stations. I have a target to achieve 100% by 2010. Uh, each of our energy stations has several levels of supply. Over here we've got the backup boilers, that acts as the kind of third level of, of energy production. 
Uh, in, the, in the CHP station, that produces uh, heat and electricity. We then have a very large-scale thermal store, it's about six stories high. So that's like, uh, that can provide thermal energy for up to 48 hours without any energy input at all. So on, on the thermal energy side, we have three levels of resilience. On electricity, we have the CHP. Uh, we also have a connection to the local distribution network so we can continue to supply electricity, which is actually coming from our other energy station. Um, and the third level is the ability to operate in island generation mode in the event of a failure of the grid. There are 60 or so energy generation centres spread across the borough. Each one is seen as a separate energy island meeting local energy needs and each island is linked to all the others through the private wire network. This energy island provides heat and power to 55 households, a medical practice and a community centre. Solar cells provide a significant proportion of the energy input. This is uh, Brock Hill, um, solar photovoltaics. There's over 36,000 solar cells on this project generating electricity from the sun. It works in conjunction with combined heat and power because it gives us complementary reverse summer winter profiles. So we're always able to generate uh, maximum electricity all year round. The photovoltaics will generate maximum electricity in the summer and the combined heat and power will generate maximum electricity in the winter. Woking has the largest concentration of solar photovoltaics in the country, with more than 10% of the total UK installed capacity. But solar energy is not a cheap option, so how can Woking afford it? Photovoltaics are expensive, they are coming down in price, but they are still a, a, an expensive technology for generating electricity. However, there are several ways of uh, financing them. One you can do by dilution economics, which essentially means because of our island generation networks, we're able to achieve much higher value for the electricity. Um, there is an element of economics in those projects which you can recycle to finance uh, ultra-green technologies like solar photovoltaics or fuel cells. And that's essentially what we've done in Woking. And we also have a second mechanism for financing uh, these sort of projects, is that uh, profits generated in the previous year can be recycled back into these ultra-green technologies. So we can actually increase the pace of installation of these ultra-green technologies quite significantly by taking that approach. What about the cost to the energy consumers? Particularly at the residential customer end, uh, who pay the most for their electricity, uh, we can supply them at a, at, a, at a competitive price against grid price electricity, simply because most of the cost of electricity supplied to residential customers is not electricity, it's all your transmission and distribution losses and your transmission and um, distribution use of system charges, that's what goes to make up the majority of a bill for a domestic householder. A typical coal-fired power station has an electrical efficiency of about 30-35%. Most of the energy that it generates is, is wasted up into the atmosphere for those huge great cooling towers. The average losses throughout the UK on the national grid and distribution networks uh, is about 9% DTI statistics. So by the time that electricity gets to your home, particularly down here in the south, you could have as little as 21% of the energy that's been burnt at the power station. With combined heat and power, because it's uh, local and it's smaller scale, you're able to recover the heat as well as the electricity and use that for heating building, providing hot water services, and even air conditioning and refrigeration by a technology called heat-fired absorption cooling. That will increase the efficiency between 85 to 90%. So although the uh, cost of generating electricity might be high. When you take all of these costs into account, 
we can actually supply electricity to a residential customer at a lower price than the grid can. Knapp Hill is another small-scale suburban energy island. It supplies just 35 premises and homes using photovoltaics and CHP. Well, this is just really an example of how the system has grown organically. Uh, this CHP station was put in in about 1996-97, and then 2001, uh, the, the Vine and the uh, Napil Health Centre were constructed, and um, we um, convinced them to connect to the district heating private wire network rather than the grid. Uh, getting people to sign up to something like that inevitably means you have to educate them on a subject that they never gave any thought about before and sometimes become, people become very enthusiastic about green energy. And so uh, uh, shortly after connecting them, uh, we actually put the photovoltaics on the new health centre and the community buildings. Woking's innovative energy strategy forces them to plan their investment decades into the future. The important thing that we're doing here is, is what you really can't see, which is the infrastructure under the roads. Um, and that's because uh, putting in district heating, district cooling and island generation networks, uh, they're going to be um, around for many years, 60 years or more, whereas primary energy generators get changed out about every 15 years. And so in 15 years' time, if you're looking at a new gas-fired CHP system, it's more likely that that can be replaced by a renewable hydrogen fuel cell system or a biomass system. And not only will those technologies be um, a lot cheaper than they are today. But when we come to refinance, of course, we're not refinancing the infrastructure, just the primary generation technology. So our innovative uh, means of financing these projects will have even more ability to finance those ultra-green technologies. Alan's prime example of an ultra-green technology is the world's first commercially operated hydrogen fuel cell. It powers two large sports complexes in the town's park. From this fuel cell we have two heat networks, a high-grade heat network and a low-grade heat network. The low-grade does all the hot water systems in the swimming pool. We've got three swimming pools here, um, so we can go straight into the hot water calorifier. And we also have our district heating system over, to, over here, um, which the high-grade goes into, and that forms part of our extended district heating, district cooling, private wire network. The private wire network here is a high-voltage network. Uh, and there's about a half a kilometre long between these group of buildings and the next lot, lot of buildings that are supplied. We haven't just put a fuel cell sitting in isolation here, it's actually part of an integrated network with all the other technologies, another free combined heat and power system, heat fired absorption cooling, thermal storage, uh, even solar photovoltaics in, in, embedded in the buildings themselves. So it's a mixed technology approach that enables us to achieve this uh, self-sufficiency all year round and also uh, acts as one of our big um, uh, generators in far as the, uh, the wider borough services are concerned where it balances out the other island generation systems that we have. And there are other new technologies waiting in the wings. We're working on advanced um, uh, you know, biomass waste uh, energy projects um, using uh, thermal combustion technologies as opposed to incineration which the council doesn't support. Uh, we're also looking into small, medium and large-scale wind uh, projects and we're consulting with the local community uh, about the acceptance of those technologies as well as continuing with our photovoltaic programme. We've also recently be begun to a project for a geothermal heat pump. So we're looking at the whole range of sustainable and renewable energy technologies because this is about 
um, balancing the electrical and thermal loads together and different types of projects or different types of buildings present different um, opportunities, if you like, to mix different technologies together to achieve this independence of the grid. But none of this can be achieved without the political will to make it happen. A number of things came together in Woking. Uh, it may well be that other local authorities might have the officers that are keen to implement something like this but don't have the support from chief officers or politicians. Or you could have politicians that are keen to see something happen but don't have the officers in the organisation to make it happen. So I think in Woking what, what essentially happened is that you had a number of things come together. You, know, you had uh, officers that could actually implement these projects, you had the support of chief officers and more importantly you had the support of politicians. We developed our private wire networks so that we could capture the true economic value of sustainable energy. Um, you can call that innovative, but you know, it just seemed a logical thing for us to do. I think that's the same you could say about any innovation. It's the way that you think about projects. Um, we don't look at um, these, these technologies in isolation. We look at them uh, together with other things. And, um, and I, that's what I think probably true innovation is. It's about uh, just looking at things that much differently and not being so fixed and rigid about how you do things.